Okay, the parsha is called Yisro, and that itself is a problem. Because Yisro, as you know, was Moshe Rabbeinu's father-in-law. Uh, up to this point in uh, Jewish history, not particularly distinguished. And yet, the parasha of the Torah, the parasha of Matan Torah, is called Yisro. And this is a little odd. Um, one would think that Moshe Rabbeinu would deserve to have the parasha of Torah named after Moshe Rabbeinu. So you might say that, well, the naming of the parasha is not such a great, significant thing. And we just call the parasha by the first word that, in the first, you take the first pasuk, and you see the first word, that distinction, and you call it, so Breshit's Boralokim is called the parasha Breshit, right? Ela Toldot Noach is called Noach. Is that better than Ela and better than Tov? But that's how, how it works. So why do we call the parasha of Yitro Yitro? Because the Pesach says, Vayishma Yitro. So the first word of distinction in the Pesach, in the parasha, is Yitro. But of course, in that same Pesach, the name Moshe appears four words later. Vayishma Yitro, Kohen Midyan, Chotein Moshe. So the Torah could have written, Chotein Moshe, Yitro, Shama. You know Hebrew is like that, Hebrew is like Lego. You can paste it together in different ways. So the Torah could have written, the Torah could have written, Vayishma Moshe. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what would the Torah have written? What? And then we would call the parsha Moshe, and that would be nice. But it doesn't say that. It says Vaishma Yitro. So Yitro gets this credit. Yitro gets this tremendous credit. And uh, even though in the Gemara there's a machloket about whether Yitro came before Matan Torah or came after Matan Torah. That uh, uh, doesn't matter because in the Chumash he came before modern Torah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, what the truth of it is, is a historical truth that's interesting. Now, now look, there's a story about Yitro. He didn't just come, but he did something. Now, what did Yitro do? Let's look at the Psukim. Vayishma Yitro Kohen Midyan Choten Moshe. Et kol asher asay lokim v'moshe l'Yisrael amo ki otsi Hashem et Yisrael mimitzrayim. So the pasuk says, "Vayishma Yitro, Vayishma Yitro." What did he hear? What it says at the end of the pasuk, "Ki otsi Hashem et Yisrael mimitzrayim," that Moshe, that Yitro heard that Bnei Yisrael were taken out of Mitzrayim, and then because of that. Pasuk bet vaykach yitro chotein Moshe tzipora eshet Moshe achar shiluchah achar shiluchah tzipora was in uh, Midian with her father. 
while Moshe Rabbeinu was attending to the business of Yitziat Mitzrayim. And so he brought her. This is the first time we hear about the names of the sons of Moshe Rabbeinu. One son we've heard about. We'll get to that in a minute. <coughs> so this is the background. Moshe Rabbeinu heard something. I'm sorry, Yitro heard something. He heard about Yitziat Mitzrayim. And he came, and he came uh, to meet up. We took his daughter and her children, and they came to meet up with Moshe Rabbeinu. That's what it says in the Pesach. Now Rashi, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Mashmu'ah shama'uba, Kriyat yamsufu mulchemet amalek. What's Rashi talking about? Like we learn Rashi, it's all it's all in Chazal, right? It's all in Medrash. But let's say we're learning Rashi. Rashi says, What kind of question is that? We know exactly what he heard because it says at the end of the pasuk, Isn't that what he heard? So Rashi says, No, that's not what he heard. It just says that in the Pesach. Why should we pay attention to what it says in the Pesach? We'll make up something else. What did Yitro hear? He heard about Kriyat Yamsuf and Mechavet two great miracles. Two, that's what he heard. Right? It's miracles. Rashi says, it could not be the course of history that brought Yitro. It must have been these miracles that brought Yitro. Now, <clears throat> what? No. No, no, but then that's 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 explained, isn't that explained? No, no, call a shall kill the Moshe. That's what the explanation is. If you say if you say kiyasa, means the miracles. Then what is what is kiyotzia shemit Yisrael b'mitzrayim? Okay, all right, good. Say that. Say that. nevertheless, nevertheless, there's some uh, there's some particular interest that that Rashi has. In putting in the, the Milchemet Amalek and Kriyat Yamsuf. Of course, those are the things that happened in the previous parish. In the parish of Shalach, I mean, that, that must be the reason. There's a kind of a continuity that Vayishmayitro has to do with what just happened. And what just happened in the parish of Shalach is Mulchemet Amalek, and before that, Kriyat Yamsuf. But okay, I, I don't mean to get into that. I'm just, I, I just want to say, I want to say that according to Rashi, Yitzhak Mitzrayim is not enough. They're the miracles. There's some kind of issue with miracles that, are, that come up. Now, if we go to look at Pasuk Hay, Vayavo Yitro Chotein Moshe V'nabishto Moshe L'midbar Shehu Chonesham Har Ha'elotim. Okay, so Yitro came, to the place that B'nai Yisrael were encamped 
And that place is called the mountain of God. That's Har Sinai. Vayomel Moshe. Yeah, Yitro is a very formal fellow. That's what he says. That's very formal. Like, I mean, they must have known each other. They must have seen each other before, but he introduces himself. Like those Japanese, you know, they give out these cards. They say, hello, they give you a card. Even if you met them a hundred times, they just give you a card again because that's how you do it. That's how you say hello in Japanese. I guess they're afraid of being rebuffed. So just give you a card. Vayavo Yitro Chotein Moshe Banav Yishto Moshe Medbar Sheru Chonesham Haralokim Pasut Vav Vayomer Moshe Ani Chotein Chay Yitro Bayi Lecha Bishtechau Tzdei Banehima Pasuk Zayin. So 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 he announces his I came. Your wife, her sons, they're all here. Vayetzei Moshe Likrat Chotno. So this was a message. Pasuk Vav was a message. Vayomer Moshe doesn't mean that he said it to Moshe Rabbeinu. It means he sent the message to Moshe Rabbeinu that I'm here. Yitro is here and the, and the wife and the children were all here. Vayetzei Moshe lekrat chotno v'yishtachu v'yishaklo v'yishalu yishlu'er l'shalo v'yavolah So now things are getting very intense. Like, you know, they're hugging each other and kissing each other and what's doing and what's new. And they come into the tent. Moshe Rabbeinu invites his uh, father-in-law into the tent. Maybe his wife also came. is an important verb because it's the verb that's used for the obligation that we have to tell the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. So you see that the first person who told the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim was, was Moshe Rabbeinu. Who did he tell the story to? I mean, he was his Talmud at that moment. To Yitro, his father-in-law. He told him the story. I mean, this was, this is like the first, it's not the command of Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim. That exists in the Torah already, but the first person who did it. It wasn't Pesach, but he did it. He, said, he taught him about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Now, what is the mitzvah? What's the mitzvah of Yitzhak Mitzrayim? Do you remember the Rambam? The Rambam says, in the seventh paragraph of Hillel, it's a matzah that the mitzvah is to tell about the nisim and the niflaot. The mitzvah of the, the Sipur Yitzhak Mitzrayim is not about improving the social standard of the Jewish people. It's not about freedom. According to the Rambam, I'll tell you what the Rambam says. It's not about freedom. It's not about it's not about slaves uh, getting a day off. It's not about social justice. Not anything like that. Remember anything? It's about dam svadeya kinim. Remember the Haggadah? You remember? Well, it's been the same for many years. And the Haggadah, if you haven't noticed, is the story, as the Rambam says, of nisim v'niflaot. The Moshe Rabbeinu was the first person who told the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim to somebody. And not just received a, a command. Moshe Rabbeinu is the one who says, Vaisaper Moshe. Right, that verb Vaisaper, that's the verb that's used in the mitzvah of telling the story of, of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. We call it Sipur Yitzhak Mitzrayim. 
That's what we do. On the night of the Seder, we tell the story of Yisad Mitzrayim. This sounds like miracles to me. Right? The That's the important part of the story. Not that we were slaves and now we're free. Not that we had to work and now we don't have to work. But what happened to the Mitzrim, to the Egyptians in Mitzrayim, the Tla'ah, the oppression that found them in the, on the way, is the oppression of the Egyptians chasing after them to Yamsuf. And then they were saved. Asher hitzilo miyad Mitzrayim. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, Pasuk Tet. You know, Vayichad is one of those funny words. Rashi says, Vayichad Moshe means that. Oh, I have Rashi here. Let's look at Rashi. It's not here? It is? Vayichad Yitro. You see the Rashi Pasuk Tet? Vayichad Yitro. Rashi says, Vayismach Yisri Yitro. Vayismach, he was happy. I don't know exactly what the Hebrew word is that Rashi is thinking about. Chedva. Yeah, but what happened to the rest of the word? I mean, that's good. Vayismach Yisrael, Rashi says. And then he says, Medrasho, Naseh B'Sarach, Hidudim, Hidudim, Neitzar Al Ibud Mitzray. He had goosebumps. Poor Yitro. Moshe Rabbeinu tells this story about miracles. Every miracle happened to another few Egyptians got whacked. So Yisro says, look, I mean, I may be a convert, and I may be joining the Jewish people, and I'm all for the Torah, but gee, I also have this other side to me. I'm like, you know, I feel for people. And he said, that's what Rashi says. You know what Rashi says, Zeb Midrasho Vizeb Shito, Zeb Shito Vizeb Midrasho. He just means both are correct interpretations. It doesn't mean that one is better than the other. This is what I'm telling you. you. If you believe me, you believe me. If you don't believe me, you lose out. But that's what it means. It doesn't mean that one Perush is better than the other. Both Perushim are exactly the same. And he said, it's one of those times where you have to explain the possible in two different ways. Because it's quite possible for Yitro to have two kinds of emotions going on simultaneously. He's very happy that his children and their people and the Torah is going to be given to them. He's happy about all of that. But at the same time, he can be unhappy about, he can be unhappy about the fact that the Egyptians suffered. Even if it was just. Right, even just suffering is suffering. Not something that people could ordinarily be happy about. The angels, Hashem said, That's last week's parasha. How could it be that you're singing this glorious praise of God when all these people are dying? So that it's legitimate to feel badly about a situation even when ideologically you're convinced that you're right. It's reasonable. It's reasonable. People are not an aggregate of cockroaches. 
You know, if you walk on cockroaches, I know in Israel they don't have cockroaches. They have cockroaches in Israel? Yeah. I remember in New York, people come out of Liyad just to get away from the cockroaches. <laughs> people are not cockroaches. People are not cockroaches. And therefore, and therefore, you can't look at it that way. And even bad people are not cockroaches. That's what Rashi says. Bad people deserve to be punished. But punishment is a terrible option. And so that's what Vayichad Yitro means. Let's go back to the Pasuk. Vayichad Yitro, he was happy and he was unhappy. That's what, that, so here we have a story. Moshe Rabbeinu is telling, is telling Yitro the Sipur Yitzias Mitzrayim. He's saying this is the story. But the story is about miracles. And the story is about how the Egyptians got whacked. And if they got whacked, they certainly deserved what they got. Right? There's no doubt about that. And Yitro, Yitro was different. He was different than anybody else. And everybody else in the height of victory, uh, singing God's praises and running around with flags or whatever you do when you're victorious, they weren't able to, to give a kind of more balanced response. Yitro was unique, according to Rashi. Vayichad Yitro, he was the only one. There wasn't anybody else who had anything good to say about the Egyptians. Not good. But, but there wasn't anybody who was able to empathize with the Egyptians. And the Egyptians definitely... The Rambam says that the Ramban says that all the Rishonim say that the Egyptians deserved what they got. They were punished because of the way they acted. Right? That's the famous Kashi in Hechus Chuva. How is it possible that the Egyptians were punished? After all, the Egyptians were acting as the agents of God. They were, they were punishing the Jews because God wanted the Jews to be punished. Who said that the Jews would be slaves in Egypt for 400 years? Me or my El me? When I was a kid, the test, we used to have a Kumbish, used to always have those me amar el me questions. They were like a sign that the teacher was very modern and advanced, if you could ask a question like that. So me amar el me? <coughs> me amar el me, what was my question? <laughs> Thank you very much. So what are the Egyptians? Why do the Egyptians suffer? What did they do wrong? They're just the agents, right? Agents don't have to suffer. So everybody says, all the Rishonim say the same thing. That the Egyptians were the agents, it's true, they would not have been punished for that. But the Egyptians went overboard. They, they, uh, they got into it. They liked punishing the Jews. They liked slavery. And so they deserved to be punished independently of the fact that they were God's agents. So, Vayichad Yitro, according to Rashi, nobody less than Rashi, brings a new element into the discussion. And what he brings into the discussion is that nothing is simple. We have to evaluate what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did to us. In other words, here's, here's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe is telling Yisro the story. He said, Sipu Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. What's the Sipu Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? It's Nisim and Niflos. It's, we're getting close to the Pesach, you know, that's alright. It's Nisim and Niflos. What are the Nisim and Niflos about? They're not about 
about something that happened that doesn't relate to anything. It's not a, uh, 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 what do you call it, uh, a lunar eclipse or a solar eclipse. It's not like that. It's, it's the miracles that God employed to punish the Egyptians. And the Jews were happy. They were happy. They were saved. They were saved with finality after Kriyat Yamsum, after the, 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 what do you call it, after, uh, after the war against Hamoek. Wow! They have a ragtag band. They didn't know me a minimum small They didn't know anything about fighting. And all of a sudden, they're winning wars. That Moshe Rabbeinu held up his hands, and the war is being won. I mean, I mean, can you imagine the joy in the camp of Bnei Yisrael? And along comes Yitro. And Yitro said, you know, I know that something important is happening here. Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu tells him the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim has two sides to it. One is God revealing his concern, so to speak, for Bnei Yisrael. And for the continuation of the process, the historic process, which means Bnei Yisrael have to go to Har Sinai and get the Torah, and then they go to Eretz Yisrael. That's, what, that's what's happening on a, on a kind of an ideological level. And on a practical level, the, the Egyptians are punished severely for the way they treated the Jews. Along comes Yitro. He comes there, like we say, like, where's he, what's he coming for? What's the Torah care when he came? So the Torah says, the Torah says that, that Yitro put, uh, what they say today, there's that word, a spin on it. But I don't know exactly what a spin is. But like a spin is like a better way of saying it, or a more understandable way, or something that is attractive. Like, like today, if you, if you could explain something easily to a lot of people all simultaneously, that's no good. Because real, if you're really academic, you could produce confusion at any stage of the, of the... So I don't know exactly what they're talking about, but it doesn't matter. So Yisro came and said, I see it in a different way. And that's by Yichad Yitro. I see it differently. You're right. You, Bnei Yisrael, you, Moshe Rabbein, you, everybody's right. Everything you say is right. But there is another side to it. That you have to remember that in order for you to be right, there had to be somebody who was dead wrong. And as a result, received a, a most terrible punishment that, you know, since the time of the Mabul has not been seen, has not been seen in the world. So that's Yitro. Yitro makes a contribution. And who is Yitro? What's the word that goes with Yitro? Vayishma. Who did Yitro also listen to? Not besides, he listened in the air. You know, but who did he listen to? He listened to Moshe Avenu telling him the story. And you know when you say Vayishma about something? When they understand. Not when they hear. Hearing is like a, a physical thing. I can hear the banging of a hammer. I can hear a plate drop. But I don't understand any more than I understood before. But Vayishma Yitro is, he heard it, and he understood it. And he shared his understanding, not with words, Vayichad Yitro. He was happy, and he was shaken by the story that happened. One more passage which will tell us about Yitro. 
we just uh, do this. People think if they eat a candy, everything gets better. Now here's the pasuk that interests me. Now that I've told you the story of Yitro. I didn't talk about whether Yitro came before Matan Torah or after Matan Torah. All I told you about Yitro is the simple Yitzhak described the Mitzvah of Pesach and the reaction that Yitro had as a human being. And that you understand very well that that reaction is extra. It wasn't there. If he hadn't come, it wouldn't have been there. We wouldn't know about it. And we wouldn't remember it. Listen. That's so good. The Yomer Yitro. Baruch Hashem. Asher itchil etzil etchem. Miyad Mitzrayim. Umiyad Paro. Asher itzil etaam mitachad yad Mitzrayim. Yitro says, he looks up to Moshe Rabbeinu. He's in this state of joy and fear. Right? Avo and Yira. And he resolves the question for us by saying, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Asher yad yad paro. Now why is it, do you think, that saying Baruch Hashem solves the problem. Why is it that Vayichad Yitro is solved by saying Baruch Hashem? Well, in order to answer that question, we have to know what Baruch Hashem means, what it might mean. The obvious kind of meaning that most people might assume is that Baruch Hashem means something like, I give my thanks to God. I give thanks to God. But we know that that is not such a precise definition. The idea of saying, uh, using the word Baruch, after all the Chazal used that word in creating the Matbeah Shel Bracha. Baruch Hashem. Now, even though this is a difficult series of words, even though it's common and we all know it, and everybody says brachot all the time, nevertheless, if you think about it, the first three words, the first three words of the bracha are difficult. And you know that the word bracha has te, baruch, I'm sorry, the word baruch has been the subject, actually, of, of books. The Nevesh Chaim, in the first part of Chaim Volozhner, wrote, trying to understand what that word could possibly mean. Kabbalists have for no end, or, and endlessly have tried to understand what the word Baruch, in the combination Baruch Atah Hashem, Means, you know, the Chazal added the Atah. Yitro said, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. And this is a problem. This is a problem. We have to try to understand how Baruch Hashem resolved the problem. How it resolved the problem. Resolved what problem? The conflict within Yitro. Yitro is being told the story. That story produces a conflict, and that's the word Vayichad. And that conflict is going to be resolved by Yitro looking at Moshe Rabbeinu and saying, Baruch Hashem. 
And that's what Yitro said. And we want to know what was it that Yitro, what was it that Yitro said. I want to tell you that in two places in the Chumash, in the two places in the Chumash, there are two other non-Jews who say something that is similar. Embrace it. Peretet pasuk Noach. Vayomer. Baruch Hashem. Shem vayinkanan eved lamo. Baruch Hashem. Rashi says. Shatid l'shmo avtachato l'zaro l'tet l'meretz kanan. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem according to Rashi is the same as the word bitachon. Right? The word bitachon means I'm certain that the promise will be kept. Baruch Hashem according to Rashi means I'm certain that the promise will be kept. That's the Baruch Hashem of Noach. There's one more Baruch Hashem. Baruch of Dalet Pasuk Kavzai. That's one more Baruch Hashem. Vayomer Baruch Hashem Lokei Adoni Abraham This is Elazar Eliezer Damesek Eliezer Right? He's telling the story of his trip and looking for a shidduch for his master Yitzchak So he says Baruch Hashem Elokei Adoni Abraham so Baruch Hashem in both of these cases, right? The second part time Rashi doesn't explain it. The first time Rashi says it means bitachon, surety. I'm certain that this is going to take place, that something is going to happen. The second time, no explanation. But it's interesting that Noach and Eliezer, after all, were not Jewish. They both lived before the Torah, even though Eliezer may have known some Torah from Abraham Avinu. But he was not, he wasn't uh, exactly a Torah personality. Similarly, Noach was a problematic personality. So Noach says Baruch Hashem, Eliezer says Baruch Hashem, and Yitro says Baruch Hashem. The first Jew who said Baruch Hashem is David HaMelech. If you see at the top of this page, Divrei Yamim Alaper Kaftet Pasuk Yud, you see that? Page two, the top, the top of the page. That's one of the books of the Tanakh. It's found at the end. It's at the end of the Tanakh. Uh, generally speaking, no one gets there. I think even in the Bible contest, they would not dare ask a question from Divrei The embarrassment would be too great. But you know that Divrei is a kind of replay of the historical books of the Torah, right? That means. Chumash, Yeshua, Shoftim, Shmuel, Melochim. Right? It's a kind of a, I mean, not everything in the Chumash is history, right? But the historical parts, who came before whom and who had children, what their names were and all that, that's all in Divrei Yamim. And also, uh, Divrei Yamim uh, is a little different than, than Shmuel and Shoftim. It's not so, it's kind of, uh, a lot of it is, um, a less emphasis on God's involvement in uh, in things. Yeah, yeah, Shomrim, that it came from the, the court of the king. They were like, uh, they used to record 
what was happening, I suppose that could be, you know, like, if you're, if you're writing a, a movie script, almost everything can go. It's not, uh, not so difficult. So anyway, this Pesach, we're talking about David HaMelech, and David HaMelech, you know, started building the Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash was finished by his son, Shlomo. So here the Pesach says, By Yivarech David HaShem Leinei Kol HaKahal, By Yomet David, Baruch Ata Hashem Elokei Yisrael Avinu Yolam Adolam. So here's David Amalek, he improves it. He improves it. Noach said, Baruch Hashem. Eliezer said, Baruch Hashem. And Yitro said, Baruch Hashem. And David Amalek says, the Jews, even when they take it, well, even when it comes to us from outside, like there was some knowledge that, that, that Eliezer had, that Noah had, that, that, uh, that Yitro had, we can make it better. When they said, Baruch HaTah Hashem. Now look at what Rashi says. Bayomet David Baruch HaTah Hashem, Elokei Yisrael Avinu. Lefika chizkir Yisrael yoter mi Avraham. V'yitzchak. Lefiki Yaakov Gamhuna da, etc., etc. May Olam Bad Olam. You see the last phrase in the Pasuk? Vayomet David Baruch HaTah Hashem, Elokei Yisrael Avinu mi Olam. Vadolam. Olam Vadolam is like what we say means forever. Forever doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean uh, like mathematical forever. It means a long time. It means a long time. That's the forever. Look at the Rashi. says the end of this Rashi. Omar Amar David. Der Echad Ayayitro Ben Sheshmiot Elef. Remember that story? The beginning of Yitro? That Yitro was one convert amongst 600,000. He was the one who said, Baruch Hashem. Genai Gadol Yisrael. Imagine, this is what Rashi says. And Rashi gets this from a Gemara, which says something a little bit different. But this is remarkable. Here you have, here you have a meeting between Yitro and Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu tells him the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Every one of the 600,000 Jews that are there in the camp, they all know the story. Moshe Rabbeinu tells the story. He's the first one who tells the story to somebody who wasn't there. The first one. Yitro is the first one who was supposed to react to the story. This is like how it's supposed to be. So, so all that emotional energy that the other 600,000 people were used up, Yitro was just like, he just was full of that energy. And what did he say? He said, Baruch Hashem. And according to Rashi, David HaMelech is accusing the 600,000 for not having that sensitivity of saying Baruch Hashem. 
And David Amalek said, furthermore, according to Rashi, isn't it terrible that we're dependent for the nusach of the bracha on Yitro? I've got to fix it. I've got to make it a little better. And he said, Baruch Ata Hashem. It was Yitro. What is Ata? What is Ata? It's the second person singular independent pronoun. That's what they taught me in school. Second person, ata, you. Independent, ata, like it stands by itself. Right? Pronoun, singular pronoun. That's what it is. When do you use a singular second person pronoun? Uh, When do you use it? When you're talking to someone who is there. Not about someone. Not about someone. So what did Yitro say? He says, Baruch Hashem. But what didn't Yitro say? He said, didn't say, he's here. Here is God. I see God. Because, because all these miracles, and all of this change, and all this world, it's here. It's right here. He didn't say that. So David HaMelech said, Yitro should have said, it's true, that Yitro was light years beyond the 600,000 Jews in the camp. He knew something that they didn't know. He knew Baruch Hashem. And David HaMelech said, but he didn't know Baruch Atah Hashem. Because B'nai Yisrael didn't learn about Atah until Matan Terah. Until they stood face to face. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu says in Devarim, Panim, that's how they stood at, at Matan Terah. They faced God. Each person, each person knew. And it was to say that you know something about God is very difficult, but people say it. Right? People say, yeah, but I know that God helped me. I know that, that my prayers work. I know, I know, I know, I know. But there's a kind of I know which is irrefutable. There's a kind of I know which is, is, is probably right. But, but you don't know it. Like you know that somebody's standing with you. You know that it's dark outside and not light. There are things that you know with a tremendous kind of imminence. But the presence of God, to know that God was with them, right? That happened twice. At Matan Torah. And before Matan Torah, where did it happen? Zeh Keli Van Veyu. Right, what is Zeke Levan there, what a Chazal say? And then the, the capitalist, of course, that Zeh is a word of pointing. You can only say Zeh, you can only say Zeh if you can point at it. Right? You can't say Zeh about something that's not here, but not in the room. You can't say, I can't say Zeh Ha'oto Shali. I can't say that. Because Ha'oto Shali is not here. Artificially, it's over there. So I can't point at it. So it's meaningless. I can't communicate. To say, Chazal understood this. Chazal explained it this way. Zekelivanveil means, I can point. And when you can point, that's a statement about the imminence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It happened twice. It happened at the time of the miracle, and it happened at the time of Matan Torah. And, and, uh, and uh, uh, Yitro, Yitro, who was not present, his relationship to 
Yitro's relationship to the miracles that Moshe Rabbeinu taught him about was Vayishma Yitro. And therefore Yitro couldn't point and he couldn't say Ata. Nevertheless, according to Rashi, this was a tremendous embarrassment, a historical embarrassment for B'nai Yisrael. It was a historical embarrassment for B'nai Yisrael. And that embarrassment was fixed by David HaMelech. That, when he went out to build the Beit HaMikdash. And the Beit HaMikdash, of course, is the, the place where everybody can say Ata. That's the place where Ata is real. Right, the Beit HaMikdash, because in the Beit HaMikdash, God's presence, God's presence is, is noticed, is noted to everybody, certainly the Bait Rishon, the Bait Sheni was there, but Bait Rishon, that was, uh, that was called Bait Rishon. Okay, that's what, that's what Rashi says about Yitro. Now there are two more things that I'd like to say, that I'd like to uh, tell you. I don't know, uh, uh, there's this Rabbeinu, famous Rabbeinu Bechaya, the famous Rabbi Rebbechaya about Vachalta Vesavata Uveirachta at Hashem Elokecha. Right? It's a posseg in Devorim. And it's a posseg that teaches us that you have to say Berkata Mazon after you eat. Right? There's a bracha. There's a special bracha that we say. The first bracha, Hazan Etakol. That's the, the, the bracha that we say, even though there's a whole list of, of uh, brachot that we call Birkot HaNehenin. Before we have Hanor from eating, they're all, we make brachot. And that system is a little complicated because we distinguish something grows on the ground, the top of the ground, on the tree, right? We, we make these kinds of distinctions and then there's a question of order. And so Hilchot brachot are complicated, but, uh, but, and they're drabonan. Those brachot are all drabonan. But the brocha that's no raisa, the brocha that's minhat Torah, which is the birkat amazon, is very simple. You just say, give me a birkon. And you say, Birkat HaMazon. I mean, it's like not, uh, there, there are no shilas in Birkat HaMazon. I mean, you have to be really very clever to create a shila. But in Brochas, there are shilas all the time. Everybody says, you know, they get a, you get a fruit, you go to the store, you get a fruit, you never heard of it. You don't even know whether it grows on, does it grow on a, on a tree or on a bark bush or on a little tree or on a bigger tree and a granted tree and not granted you get machine gate from Hilchud Brachot but not Birkat HaMazon so the Rabbeinu B'chayin uses this opportunity use the opportunity of, of this Pasuk to tell us uh, to tell us Sod HaBrachot now if you see the wide lines one, two, three, four three the last five words, six words on line, wide line number three. It starts with the word V'yesh. Right? Do you see that? V'yesh lecha litorek kan. Ki yesh pa'pasuka zeh petach lavin sod ha-brachot. He says, I want to tell you something about the word sod, of course, is a word that's associated with Kabbalah. Rabbi Mechaia was a Kabbalist, except that unlike the Ramban, Usually in his commentary, the Ramban, the Bachaya is a commentary on the Ramban also. But he divides up his, his comments into Pshat and Drash and Remez and Sod. That's, what, that's how he does it. So he says, I want to explain the Sod Abrachot. So the word Sod, of course, has something to do with Kabbalah. In this pasuk it says, "Ve'achalta ve'savata uveirachta 
את השם אלוקיך. פירחת את השם אלוקיך. So this problem. What does פירחת את השם אלוקיך mean? I mean, how could that be? ומזה אמר דוד, דוד המלך, ואברך שמך. ואמר, another פסוק, הודו לא בורכו שמו, ורבים כן. In other words, this idea that a person can give a bracha to God is something that appears constantly again and again and again. He says, ועדך הפשטו מהתחילה, כי הברכות אינן צורך גבוה אלא צורך אדיוט. כי כיוון שהוא יתברך מקור הברכה, וכל הברכות במשטר שלו ממנו, כולם ומציאותם אינם אלא מציאותו, מציאותו תספיק בעצמו ולא יצטרך לזולתו. ואם כן, הם יברכו כל היום וכל הלילה, מה יתייבא בכך? או מה יתנו לו, מה בידם ייקח? So he goes, he's, he's, he's thinking out loud. He says, you have to know, ברכה comes from God. It's not ברכה you give to God. You say, ברוך אתה השם, like, you know, we're doing a favor to heaven. And we're saying, oh, take a bracha. Take a bracha, heaven. I mean, maybe you'll need it. He says, no, that, that can't be, because everything comes from God. And he says, גוזר ממנו ההשגחה ומוסר הנהגת השפלים כוכבים ומזלות, וזה שאמרו כל נהנה בעולם הזה בלא ברכה, כאילו גוזל את רוצסן גמור. גוזל הקדוש ברוך הוא לכנסת ישראל, שנאמר, גוזל אבי ואמו כגון גוזל הקדוש ברוך הוא השגחה לכנסת ישראל פירות. So in other words, you can't say, I'm giving to God, but you're taking from God, and that's why you say ברכת המזון. Now, if, uh, if we skip two lines, we skip two lines, there's a colon, And then I'll derech a Kabbalah. I lost track of the number, but you should be able to find it. Uh, like two-thirds of the way into the line, there's a colon, and that colon is followed by derech a Kabbalah. Derech a Kabbalah means using the Kabbalistic, uh, um, using the Kabbalistic, uh, um, no, no, uh, dictionary. It's a dictionary. Kabbalah is a dictionary. Right? It says, you see the word, this word, you think it means this? It also means that. There's a dictionary of Kabbalah. Now, it's very common. Very common, as you know. You look at a dictionary, you see that the words have more than one meaning. It's very reasonable. So here, that's, that's, that's what Kabbalah is. Uberachta at Hashem. Eina brachat tzorch... Uberachta at Hashem. Eina brachat tzorch hadyot milvad. Vegam eina hodot milvad. Avalashot tosefet ribuy mishul miyoshot uberachat lachmecha vedmeimecha. So that first he says that the word bracha is tosefet ribuy. More, 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 more. V'yesh lecha laskir ma'amar chazal shabur b'ab al-tziyah. Perek ha-mekabel b'sofo b'nyan b'al chov. ושכב בשלמתו ברכך, מי שצריך ברכה דהיינו הדיוט, יצא הקדש, this a little bit, a little bit complicated, let's go to the next line. Uh, uh, he, say, he says, uh, again, he says אדרבו, he says in the דרך הפשט, he says, look at his sense to say that, that God is waiting for us to give a ברכה. Right, that doesn't make any sense. But of course, In the Kabbalistic way of thinking, 
about what the relationship between man and God is, that somehow, somehow it seems that they, that the Kabbalists imagine that what we do affects the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu reacts. And so that even though all goodness comes from God, whether it comes from God or not at a particular time depends on bracha, depends on our ability, on our ability to make the bracha. So that bracha is not a matir in the sense that shechita is a matir. You know, I have a, I have a cow and the cow's kosher, but I can't eat it. Because I have to shecht it. I have to do something that makes it edible. If I don't shecht the cow, but I just shoot it, and then it lies uh, dead, and I cut out a piece of cow, so the cow is trait. Everybody understands that. So it's not enough to be in the category of kosher. That has to be a matir. The same is not true about a bracha. If you, you have to make it before you eat. I mean, the food is kosher. If you eat it without a bracha, it's not treif. But if you eat it without a bracha, you missed an opportunity of great understanding of what is going on. That it's because there's a relationship between man and God that that bracha works. So that when, when, when Yitro said, when Yitro said Baruch Hashem, his response was awesome. Because what he said was, what he really said was, let it continue. This is how it has to be. That was the Chiddush of Yitro about the miracle of Pesach. That the miracle of Pesach is not something that happened, but it's something that we, it creates a pattern as every divine intervention in Olam Hazer creates a pattern which we hope will be repeated again and again. And how do we express that hope? We say, Baruch Hashem. When we say, Brachot, or we say, Birkat Amazon, what we're doing is making a statement about our understanding where the imminence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu implies that we will be fed. It's not that, that we do this and God spills a, a barrel of wine from heaven out on our heads. But that there is this relationship, this symbiotic relationship between God and HaKadosh Baruch that we recognize by saying a bracha. So, that's what a bracha is according to Rabbi Rebbe And that's apparently what, what, uh, um, uh, what Yitro said. David HaMelech said, but you missed out one thing, that you could have a Beit HaMikdash. That there cannot just be a recognition of the relationship between God and, and, and man, but there can be actually a Beit HaMikdash. Now, I want to tell you one more thing. We're on the last page. I'm on the last page. And we'll just read Sukkim. This is in the parasha that's called the Klala. Right in Kitavo. The Klala is introduced by a bracha. First there's a bracha before there's a klala. You'll be, you'll be high. And then this, all these brachot that HaKadosh Baruch Hu offers us in exchange for us keeping the Torah and doing the mitzvot, right? 
they will come upon you, what does that mean? What does the word mean? Heim yasigu otcha. Heim is like the it's like like the bro what? The what? So in other words, they're like they're like gazelles. All these brachot, they're running. You're running, and they're running, but you're not going to be able to outrun them. It's something it's something an odd image here. Why would I want to run? Why would I want to run away for the brachot? Of course, we see gucha. Why, why do we see gucha? Well, I need that extra verb. Bo alecha, call the brachot ha'ela. That's pshita. Ubo o alecha, call the brachot ha'ela. What do we see gucha? All these baruchs, and then at the end, if you skip, pasuk tetvav, pasuk tetvav, vayayim lo tishma bekol Hashem lekol shmo vasuk kol bismutav bechukotav b'shem dok b'shavah yovu alechem kol aklalot ha'ele nachomu vehisigucha. What's vehisigucha? Ubau alecha kol aklalot. I understand what that means. And the first pasuk we were interested in, So here at the bottom of the page, there's a little, a couple of lines from the pre-tzadik. Right? Remember the pre-tzadik? from Lublin. Right? The Gaon in Chasidut. And that's what they called it. The Gaon in Chasidut. Right, the 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 Meishiloach. Right, he was a Talmud of the Meishiloach of the Beit Yaakov, the the regioner. Right, that he was the he was in that line. Amar Peirush v'Sigucha shelo tishtane. Shalifamim Yuchal Haadod Adam Lishtanot Ayede Yeshua Gdola Azev Tiach Moshe Rabbeinu Visigucha Shalotishtane. Now let's forget for a moment the uh, how the word this word comes into that word. But what does he say? What does he say? The Ishbitza said this that bracha, as you know, bracha is always dangerous. Because when things are good, I mean, it's hard to deal with it. When things are bad, you look around, you see everybody's davening. When things are good, they're all on a cruise someplace. They're, you know, glot kosher, super this, super that, you know. But it's a cruise. And they're not davening. They're not davening. It's so, it's so kosher that you don't have to daven. That's how, that's how it works. So the the Ishmael has said, the Ishmael has said that that there's an accompanying promise to bracha, just as there's an accompanying promise to klala. The accompanying promise to bracha is shalotishdane. That the same attitude that you had that made you deservant of the bracha, the bracha will not be able to change that. There was bracha here meaning the good. All the good that you get. All the, all the uh, 
uh, the good life and the ease that you have and the ability you have to do the mitzvot and to learn Torah, that's not going to change you. It's not going to make you into a, uh, a person who thinks that, well, maybe now that I'm so successful, maybe I don't have to be as devoted. The bracha will not get you. And so, so, the bracha, use the word bracha means the tangible results of bracha. And what protects us from the tangible results of bracha is the bracha. Is there a so when you, when Yisro said, when Yisro said Baruch Hashem, he meant don't change. Don't let it go to your head. Don't think that you've accomplished everything that has to be accomplished. And David HaMelech took it a step further. And David HaMelech said, David HaMelech says, Baruch Hashem. We have to think of ourselves always as standing before HaKadosh Baruch and not being impressed by our ability and not being impressed by our ability to, to kind of garner the bracha from heaven. So that you have always this kind of dual uh, uh, attitude that has to be somehow tempered and dealt with on the one hand. On the one hand, we know that Sipu Yitziat Mitzrayim is exalting. But being exalted can never be an excuse for kind of relaxing and changing. And that's why Yitro said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Look, I feel, you don't feel it, but I feel that there's something missing. That the, that the compassion for the people who were punished is not quite as it should be. And so I say, Baruch Hashem, that you should not be overwhelmed by the fact that you're so successful in whatever it is, in whatever it is you do. And uh, David HaMelech, David HaMelech said the same thing. And that's what the Ishbitzer seems to have meant. And the uh, Rabbeinu Bechaya, along the way, explained how a bracha works. I wish you all a good Shabbos.